Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Happy New Year, boys. Happy Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023. 2023. Mm-hmm. New year. New year, new, goals. new me. <laughs> yep. All brand new. Yeah, that's what happens to me. Like, I shed my skin on New, oh, uh, new Year's nice. Eve. And I, I nice. slip out of it. One big piece. Slough it off. Well, I'm oh, always just... I, 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 I cover myself in Elmer's glue every day so that oh. I can do that at the end of the year. Wait, so it's 365 layers of glue. Yeah, build up throughout the year. Yep, yep. Because you know, weakens over time. I hate the way this episode has begun, <laughs> uh, and instead, I will refer to our document where someone has written goals for twenty twenty three. And do you have like company goals? Do you set this studio neat set like goals that they that you want to work up towards until. This year, I would say no, not well, kind of. We have like product goals, and okay. this is kind of the problem. <laughs> like, we have all, we will have product goals for sure. Like, oh, here's a roadmap of like products, and that's at least recently it's been at least a year out. Like, we have enough things queued up that we want to do that it takes that long. But this year, we actually have a like a business company goals uh, that are pretty serious. And so it is a new kind of a brave new world for us. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, this year definitely feels pretty different. What is, is that? Is this something that you want to talk about? Like, what does that, that mean? Like a brave new world? Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about, so um, in general, basically I, f- I think we've hit our ceiling. Like, okay. We, Dan and I like made this conscious 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 decision to be a two person like outsource company, very lean. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as we've talked about before, like that was fine for a long time, and then the products we started making kind of had to change that calculus. And we've been very slow to like realize and commit to the idea that oh, we can't just be like a two person company anymore. Uh, I think we've like hit the ceiling with like what two people can do with like making physical products and like the things we're doing. And so um, we've already started these changes, but basically this is the year of kind of leveling up for us. Um, and so that means like basically we need to get some more people involved. So instead of like kind of DIYing everything, um, start to build like a team and a machine that will help us take care of the products that we make. Um, and what that means is we also need more revenue to be able to do that, right? It's like okay. this chicken and the egg problem. And so um, like our vision for the year is to be in a place where we have like systems in place to be driving like more revenue so that we can build the teams to, you know, assemble the products that we make, market them, you know, sell them keep logistics going so that Dan and I can continue to focus on product development because for the past couple of years, it's been so it's, we just been away and over our head with the amount of things we want and need to do. Um, and so it, it's kind of, I think the, for a long time, I think we were kind of trying to like incrementally get there, but it, it's pretty clear that we need to, it's it's not that it all has to happen at once, but it's got to kind of be a pretty big change and like a commitment, almost like a Hail Mary pass where you're like, okay, we're going to invest in some stuff. We're going to make some big changes, do it kind of quickly in hopes that we can kind of bump up our revenue so that we can afford the kind of system that it takes to, that we want to build. So we aren't, you know, exactly sure on how that will play out. It's not like we have this like six month plan with a Gantt chart and everything's perfect, but we definitely have like committed to that change and started taking some steps and doing some strategy around it. So it's a big year. Um, and I think on the other side of this year, it's either going to be like, we're in this different place or it's gonna be like, Oh, wow. Like that didn't work. So what does that mean? So it's, it's definitely, it feels like, a uh, Hail Mary's not exactly the right term, but it's just, it feels like we've committed to like a big change. I guess, 
the thing I would ask on this is like, it's complicated, right? Doesn't everyone just want more customers? Like saying you want more customers is different to getting more customers. Yeah. yeah. So like how (laughs) do you have thoughts on that? Like it seems like this feels like a pretty important thing that it's not just like, hey, we want to make more money to have a better retirement, but no, like you want to make more money to to go ahead and grow the business so you're able yep. to enable things with that. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? What, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do it? Well, Let me know. I mean, we're going to ask we, nicely. <laughs> please. Right, yeah, so, please. Guys, uh, more sales, <laughs> please. We're really thirsty. That's all. We're just going to look really, really thirsty. No, uh, I, there's, like, I mean, there's a whole pot, like there's a whole list of things in general. I, there's kind of like two buckets we're looking at it. One is like, uh, just kind of for a long time, we've kind of neglected some of the like typical e-commerce infrastructure stuff in terms of like just normal e-commerce stuff. So there's this kind of bucket of putting in better infrastructure mm-hmm. um, that will help on that side, like help on the existing audience side. And then there's a whole bucket of stuff, which is, you know, new customer acquisition. And so on that bucket, it's like ads in a different way. It's um, other revenue channels. Like for instance, we are like looking specifically for like growing this like custom mark one program. Um, and then also like growing our affiliate program. So basically just kind of pushing more out into like these different channels. And in the past, we've all thought that those were great ideas and we've done it a little bit, but we just had no time to do that ourselves. And so now we're take making the choice to be like, okay, we're going to have someone help us with that. <laughs> and so that's kind of the difference in a way where we've been limited, I think, and this is our hypothesis, at least, we've been limited for a long time by our attention and our time. Mm-hmm. And we're making the change to like, you know, relinquish some control and some comfort and letting, you know, getting help basically to do those things so that we can grow. So that's, that's the just, we can talk about like some of those details of the things I listed, but that's in general, that's the kind of idea. Um, so it's, it does feel, it's not just like, oh, we're going to try harder. It feels like operating in a, in a different mode because we are like, for so long, we have really resisted having people like help that we're going to start to outsource some of the things that we thought were like core competency in the past. And we just didn't do them. So <laughs> they didn't actually ever even happen, really. So um, so I don't know if that exactly makes sense, but that's kind of, I would say, the way we're like looking at making this change. Yeah, I heard you say like one thing was, was it, did you say growing the affiliate program? Like I didn't even know you had one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like we have all these things that are, are probably actually decent products or decent decent implementations, but we just don't ever put enough energy in them to really right. push them along, right? right? And that goes for everything we've tried, like for ad, for like display ads, for an affiliate program, for a custom program. Like they're all like channels that could be built out into full businesses and full revenue streams, but we just can't do that ourselves. Like we can only go so far. We could set them up and we have, like we've set up the technology stack for them, but it's like, actually we need someone to, for instance, and and we're actually literally looking for this right now. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think this would be a good fit for you, let us know. So for instance, we would like to hire someone that can help us uh, sell, sell like the Mark One custom program into like institutions and brands, right? So like corporate gifting or universities right. that might be looking for like a customized Mark One and they can put their logo. It's like this amazing product. And we were set up to like do these custom orders in this really awesome way. But we actually just need a person to do that outbound sales work, right? And we're really flexible on how that arrangement works. And, you know, and if we could find the right person from our audience, that would be like ideal. So there's one example. Another example is for this affiliate program, like we have like a really good affiliate program set up with products that I think are really easy to sell on YouTube or Instagram because they look cool and they have a cool story. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we thus far have not put a lot of energy into, you know, really cultivating the affiliate relationships, finding them, like setting that all up. And a third thing is collaborations. Like we could do more collaborations with, you know, creators or brands to, 
you know, do stuff. And so it's, it's like these buckets where they're all great ideas. And it seems like there's a lot of really fun, fun and valuable things we can do. But we just need, we need people to help us manage those relationships. And so like, yeah, that's, it's kind of like an interesting avenue of sales, right? Like, yeah, more like Mm -hmm. enterprisey then yeah it's b2b yeah it's yeah. b2b so it's not it's mm-hmm. not consumer at all it's like alongside and the cool thing that with the products that we have coming up we can customize those products too and they will often fit in the world of this like corporate gifting or institutional sales like b2b sales so i could see us in a couple of years where we have like one or two people maybe part-time or commission or however it is helping us run this kind of custom program and it feeds both sides it's like it's great. Like we develop consumer products and then they can be used in this way. And so it it makes sense. It's like a kind of low-hanging fruit, like no, duh, obvious thing. Mm-hmm. And we've known that for a long time, but we've just not had time to do it. And so we're making this change where we can just like, you know, get, get comfortable uh, designing those processes. And so that's how I think about it is, you know, we're really good at a design team at like designing products, but we got to pop out our context, like one level and be like, okay, we're designing this business. We're designing like systems and brand strategy for doing these things. And so we got to get comfortable with having, you know, a team or people that are helping us do that. And I think we can do that, but it, it does really feel like a, um, like a real shift in the way we think about how we accomplish things. And, and it feels like time. It feels like well overdue. And so it's exciting, but it's also like, it feels like a very chicken and the egg problem. Where <laughs> so It's complicated, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. thinking about this kind of idea over the last few years, not what you're thinking of, but this idea of like, I have a thing I would like to do well or would like to do better than it is. And like understanding that it's not really feasible to just wish it into existence. But yet I also, even though I know it's a good thing, don't know how to get it in front of the people that would care about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And like that's yep. so complicated. It's like, it's like what, you know, I don't mean to say, but like what, it's like kind of like what you just did, Tom. It's like, you know you want someone to do this job, but like don't know how to find them. So like say it on the podcast, hoping that that person's out there, right? Yeah. Like, because it's really complicated. Like, you know what you want, like you you have the tools, like you like the, the products, right? Because I know you, you have, I believe, done a bit of this in the past of actually doing some branded stuff for some companies, right? You have, we have experience yeah, yeah. of it. You yeah. know that those people will like those products. Like that's a, given right like it's just known like especially like any company in tech right they're gonna love the pens they're gonna love the notebooks right they're gonna they're gonna have a great time it's gonna be awesome but you gotta get it to that person and how do you do that or like how do you even find the person that knows how to do that it's like those those middle parts are sometimes so complicated and feel insurmountable because it's like where do you even begin yeah, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the way I've been thinking about it lately, or we've been thinking out really is, uh, it's almost, it's still a design process, which, it, it, and just, you got to pop out of context. So, you know, we've hired a couple people now, right? And we've went through that cycle. And sometimes it's worked where we like, like the person that helps us out with customer service is like someone who was like a customer and they and like, so they knew our brand. And so it's like an awesome fit. And yes. so sometimes that will work, but sometimes we've just like been on MD, Indeed and like <laughs> like hunted for a job and like interviewed people. And so for me, the, really the process is, okay, it's really about defining what really what it is that you want. And then, yeah, you just find like what are the tools to get that person and it's, you know, they exist out there. So it's funny because all this stuff like is so mature. It's like how business works. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to this are like, well, what do you mean, no duh? Like, this is how businesses work. <laughs> but um, for so long, we've been in this mode of like so product focused. Well, this isn't how our businesses work, right? Yeah, yeah, up till this, now. Yeah. This isn't yeah. how, like, naturally two, three person businesses work until they get to a certain point and then they have to work that part out as well, right? But it is not mm-hmm. a natural thing for 
companies like yours, like mine, to, to like you know, it was such a departure when we hired someone, right? When we hired yeah. some, like mm-hmm. we hired Carrie, who became a salesperson for us. But like, I wouldn't have known how to to hire a salesperson. We were just lucky that the person we hired for administration is a fantastic salesperson. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, if we had to hire a salesperson, I don't know how I'd do it. Anyway, Dan, how are you feeling about all of this? Uh, it's. I mean, it's a mix. It's very daunting feeling and scary in a lot of ways, but it's also feels exciting because kind of as Tom referenced, it's like we haven't, some of these things are low hanging fruit and some of the things are, it's like we haven't done them not because they're not good ideas, but just because, uh, we're product people and that's where our focus has been is like making new things and being excited about the new product design that we're doing. So like, you know, email marketing and, and, you know, like advertising and stuff. It's like, these are things that all companies do. (laughs) Like they have a, they have systems in place or people in place to keep that engine going. And we just have been neglectful in that regard because we've been able to, skate by with just you know kind of organic traffic and and word of mouth and things like this which is great it's actually in hindsight it's like actually kind of amazing that we've gone so long like without doing these uh kind of baseline business things that we should be doing so it feels like i guess exciting or, or promising in that regard and it's like oh i wonder what will happen if we actually start doing the things we should have been doing all along like um and then my other the other thing i'll say is like we know I, it's hard to say this without sounding arrogant but like we know our stuff is good like it's not untested like i i would be nervous if the if we had like a new product and we're like this really needs to we need to like have this explode out the gate or whatever but it's like no we know the mark one is good for example and we know people like it and it's been a success on a small scale so it's really just the challenge of widening the audience uh like finding more people to find out about it i i mean i i feel like i've like said this quote uh, over and over again on this podcast, it's the Cory Doctorow thing where it's like the enemy is obscurity. And so it's like, how do we not be obscure? How do we find more people to know about this thing? Because it's proven itself to be good. Like people do, the people that find it do like it. So how do we just connect with more people? And it's like, a lot of this seems like obvious. And, um, but for us, it's like it's not like we're naive like we've 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 for 10 years we've been like looking and knowing we've been doing a lot of this should be doing a lot of this stuff like when we know it exists and we we think about it a lot but it's really that change of going from a purposefully lean two-person diy company to one that's a little bit bigger but at the same time we don't really want much to change in terms of like the brand or our approach or a lot of like thoughtfulness with product to control. So we're not just going to like open up the full governor and just like go crazy. So it's this kind of delicate letting ourselves step into um, like leveling up basically just a little like to the next level. But we also know we don't want a 30 person company probably. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's this, uh, the brand has to change a little bit though. Right. A little bit. Yeah. And it will, it will. It will. Um, but here, but I think the, the cool thing is, I do think that there's a way for us to design this company like a product, right? And not, you know, not just products, but actually design the company. And so I think we can retain a ton of control and a ton of opinionatedness. And when, when we've been looking through all this, you know, typical stuff, especially on the like e-commerce infrastructure side, you know, you, you, right there at your grasp is like the really gross aggressive tactics that you mm-hmm. see with everyone on the internet, right? It's just right there. <laughs> but I also think there's a lot of opportunities to do that stuff in a thoughtful, interesting way. Um, in like an, in an innovative way. Like we have for our entire history, we've been like really innovative with the way we approach like physical product business, right? And so I think it's, it's about using the tools that exist out there, but just doing it in our own way, in a thoughtful way. And so that's the thing that makes it difficult. If it was just like, oh, 
uh, yeah, we're just going to like do typical e-commerce practices and whatever and just like like put the pedal to the metal and not care and not be thoughtful about the brand, then it would be easy because you just hire like any person to do it and they'll just execute it in the normal way they're used to. But that's not what we want. We want to do it in our way, in a designed, thoughtful, studio, neat way. And that requires us, Dan and I, to like set the tone and become like design leaders for our team so that everyone understands like what we're doing here, like what's the brand. And that's why I think what makes it particularly difficult is we're like wading into this stuff and we know that there's like, it's kind of like, I don't know if, whenever, I remember when you guys got married, it felt like when you, you're starting the, the wedding planning and it seems like you're standing next to a river. And soon as you make one decision about like what wedding venue you're going to do, it's like you just have like jumped into a raging stream and you don't have any more choices anymore. It's like, oh, here you go. Here's the three choices. Like you don't really have any agency here. Like this is a system and you're in it now. And that's this feels like a lot where we're like standing on the precipice of like more legit email marketing. And it's like, here's all this pre-built stuff to do what we consider to be kind of gross, like salesy, yeah. like really thirsty, like weird stuff. And we have to be like, okay, uh, let's not do that. Like, how can we do this well? And so it is really interesting being confronted with like these choices that we've been, the, the choice we've been making up to now is just ignoring it mm-hmm. instead of doing the hard work of saying, okay, let's design this. Let's like do it well. And so mm-hmm. we're like, we're having to make all the design choices. And so it's, it's interesting, but it is. Um, and I don't think we're actually going to be able to do all, make those design choices ourselves. And so really the work becomes how do we define the tone and the rails for someone else to be doing that work, but provide them correct guidance on like the brand and what our tone should be and what and where the boundaries are, right? That is actually the design work um, because we can easily get back into like us making all the like nitty gritty detail level decisions, but I actually don't think we can do that. Like, I don't think we have enough time for that. So it's very interesting. It's a... Uh, we're just starting out, but it's uh, um, it's a really interesting process. So if you're sitting there listening, if anyone is listening and they're excited by that challenge or knows our brand and but also knows these tools that we're talking about, come talk to us because we're, um, yeah, we're like really open for the first time in our co- company's history of like really working with some people to do that. So, yeah, so yeah. yeah, no, and we should... Uh let's emphasize that. So you had mentioned previously, like, I mean, as you just said, if any, if you're interested in any of the things we said and you think you can help out in some way, like it does not hurt to email us. You can actually just email us directly, Dan at studio need and Tom at studio need. Uh, but also specifically, as Tom mentioned before, like we're looking for someone to help with like these custom B2B Mark ones, like a salesperson, if that interests you, definitely email us. And then we kind of brushed past it, but like the affiliate thing, if you, dear listener, happen to be like, you know, a content creator, you know, like a YouTuber and you do product reviews and you're interested in our stuff or probably more, uh, more usefully if you like, who is your favorite, who are the favorite few people that you follow where you think our stuff would be? a good fit. So if you like follow, subscribe to a YouTube person that is doing reviews that you really value, you think they do a good job, like definitely send them our way and we'd love to reach out to them. So yeah, we're kind of leaning on our existing audience a little bit too, to, to help us out. That's the best place to start. Yeah. It's been really interesting. Uh, you know, having these conversations with, you know, let's say like, you know, Clavio, which is like the email marketing, like SaaS company. And we tell them, yeah, we've never really done email marketing in this like legit way. And we've been like doing e-commerce for 12 years. They're like, what? You know, it's like, How it's, really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. interesting to like be they being confronted with a lot of stuff. And, and I, I think we have something special. Um, like, I think we do really have something special in terms of like our, our audience and our you know customer existing customer base that is pretty unique and so it's not only leaning on them but it's it's also going to be a a challenge to 
recognize the unique thing we have because it, when you're in a world where not everyone has that, they might treat their customers a different way because they don't. They're you know it's just not the same, and so we have to just be continually mindful of of that. So it's it's going to be a challenge. Like it's definitely going to be a challenge to navigate. So, um, but you know it's time. It's time to do it. So it's exciting. It's scary. But, uh, I mean, I think it'll be good listening material, good content. I was going to say, I think it's going to be interesting for the show this year. (laughs) Yeah. The affiliate program thing, is that the assumption of, like, you'd like to to get... Like, so I say... Yeah, I was was actually wondering if we needed to explain that. Like, do people even know what an affiliate program is? Like, is that something we should... Well, I have no idea. I don't. It depends on how you're looking to to do it. So, like, there's a company that I think does this actually pretty well is Ugmonk. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So you know they would do a thing. They have a bunch of creators. They'll send out the analog system to them, and if they like it, they can get a code that they can tell their audience, "Hey, go buy it and get ten percent off," and then they'll get some mm-hmm. cut of the sales. Is the yep. way that I assume that that naturally goes. Um, and I think they do a pretty decent job with that, it seems. Yeah, so that's like standard affiliate marketing. And, yep. and we have that already. Like we have the infrastructure to do that. And we're doing it some, um, okay. but just with like a smaller number. And so, yeah, it's like it's, it's, reach, it's having more energy to reach out to those people, find, like finding a good match. And then also making sure that it's like they understand the story and the brand, right? So in, up to now all the affiliate relationships we have have been pretty organic where they find us. And so they, it's, it's like they, 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 they don't need mm-hmm. to be told like what the brand's about or maybe our story or whatever. And so I think that's part of the game is not just reaching out, but reaching out in a unique way or in our own way uh, and telling our story. So, and, you know, of course, every brand would say that. So it's like, it, <laughs> it's, it's easy to just say that, oh, we're so unique or whatever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what it is. It's just basically affiliate marketing because it just makes. I mean, it's like a really great. It works for it. Actually, works for everyone. It's like a really great uh, model because you know the affiliate person makes good percentage sales off of when they when they sell something. We also get exposed to their audience and they yep. and they get content right. It's like a it's a win win win. So yeah, and it's um, like it's an interesting. If it's done well and everyone is doing it, is like going in with good faith mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because i mean it's like podcast advertising where yeah. mm-hmm. you know you trust the person that you're listening to watching that kind of thing and mm-hmm. if they're selling you a product or recommending a product to you you will naturally assume that they have done the due diligence on their product and they like it and they're willing to speak the words or say that like oh yeah i used this and i think this is good you should try it right like yep. that that is you know it's sometimes referred to as endorsements or like whatever like you want to call it but that is like as a content creator you you sometimes you sell your the trust people have in you right and that can if you do it poorly then that's going to end up working out poorly for you but you as a as a brand are able to mm, this sounds harsher than i mean it but buy the trust that they, mm-hmm. that an audience has in a creator where you're like, if you yeah. like this, here's a code. You could just tell people to go buy it. And it's not like you're not paying them, right, up front or whatever. It's not an ad. So there is a little bit more in there of like you assume the person likes the thing, right, mm-hmm. that they're willing to, to like sell yep. it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It is an interesting model. If And I think that you guys do have – I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but I think you do have the products that are right for it because you actually do make good stuff, right? So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. it will work in this if you can if you can find the right people to get it to get it in front of. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it does. I mean, it currently works. We probably get in a, you know a couple of affiliate orders a day. It's just like it's just more investing in that in an intentional way and, right. and that's just kind of like down the chain with all this stuff. It's like it's like outreach. You've got to go out and find exactly. these people, right? Yeah. And then and then and then actually make sure that like we're telling our story right and we're not just some just like faceless PR company, you know, getting spam you know, spamming them or whatever. So it, it's like it's a it's a whole design problem, right? And so um so yeah, it's and then like I said, it's just like down the stack, all those things, you know, it's that for everything. And so 
that's that's what it is the year of leveling up for, for us the, the year of kind of like the theme. Yeah. yeah leveling up is the theme in my mind i mean that's kind of my own that's the way i think about it i don't know if dan has has similar language but um that's the word it is in my head at least is this something that you're both completely aligned on i think so <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, it's just such no, a change no. for the business, right? Like, I just yeah, wonder, yeah. like, if there's a part of it that one or the other is a little bit more trepidatious. No, I think it's, I think it's been that way in the past, probably. But, uh, yeah, we've had lots of conversations uh, over the past few months. And, yeah, I would say we're both, like, in complete alignment and, like, there's energy behind it. We're like, Good. we see the like work that is needed. Like mm-hmm. it's none of this is going to happen for free. Like it's, it's going to take a lot of energy and work to make happen, but we're like on board to, mm-hmm. to do that. So Cause I, I think, feel like Dan, you would have been more hesitant. I feel for like. sure that I yeah. think that's a correct uh, read. And I think that's how I've been uh, previously, but uh yeah i've been kind of convinced for a number of reasons that this is like the right thing to the right time and the right thing to do yeah so yeah i think that the the difference that made the difference was for me i always felt like there was stuff we should be doing but i didn't i couldn't ever articulate like that difference that i just tried to articulate on the show right which is like we've done all of these things it's just we've never entrusted other people to do it for us to extend ourselves and i think and dan correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that coming to that realization that we actually need other people to do this work to make it happen is the difference that kind of made us that changed everything um and dan would you agree that that's like actually the difference that kind of kicked us into this other place yeah, I think that's part of it. And I, I think the other part is just like a lot of these things take effort or inertia. It's like trying to tip a vending machine over. Like you can't just go and push it. You have to kind of rock it back and forth. Uh, that's my Seinfeld reference for the uh, for the episode. <laughs> but uh, the yeah, it's like you... Yeah, people needing to hire people. I think that's definitely part of it. But some, I mean, some of the stuff we are doing ourselves, at least initially, and that is going to take away from, it's either going to take away from product design or just like add more things on top of product design. And, you know, we're always, or at least I'm always not wanting to do that just because the product design is the most fun part. <laughs> so it's like, I always want to just do that. Um, but, you know, we do have a business that needs to be cared for. So we got to do the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually, my hope is that that statement that Dan just made in like in a six or months from now or like a year from now becomes, uh, we realize it was a little bit like, oh, we can learn to like the design of this other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like that's my hope mm-hmm. that we can yeah. like expand our context for what design is. And we can do this, design these business systems and, and actually get quite a bit of satisfaction out of it. And we're not there yet. It doesn't feel that way yet, but I I'm hopeful. Like that's my dream, right? Yeah. Maybe when like you that. are not like so actively involved with the doing right like like at the mm-hmm. moment as you're saying like if you want to onboard someone into the affiliate program like you, one of you two has to like deal with that like handle it maybe at the point where somebody else is doing that part and you're like working more high level it would be a little bit closer to the type of stuff that you're used to right where like you're you're not yeah. interacting with every customer individually as part of the sales process, but you're like mm-hmm. creating a thing for them to to a website for them to come to a product for them to buy, and like maybe that that when you're more like a, a couple of steps removed from this stuff, it might feel a little bit more like you're able to quote unquote design it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, des- the process of design, right, is like finding a bunch of information, getting like a funnel of information. I call that always like a context, like 
find getting a bunch of information and then making decisions about it. That's the design process. Mm. And we have had such a closed view of a lot of our business. Not that we're blind to it, but we just weren't as interested. And I feel like we're opening our funnel. And it's like, okay, here's this whole thing of, let's say, email marketing. Here is like all the things that one can do. Like we could, I'm sure, make a completely awesome email marketing product, right? Email marketing system where it's like, okay, like what is the best way to interact with customers via email? Or even, heaven forbid, SMS, right? Like maybe there's a good way to do that. Maybe there's like an awesome way to do that. And so I think it's literally just like a mind shift of like, let's widen our funnel a little bit and make this a design a design project. And I think we I think we could totally like that just as much in the same way. It's just it's really just being open to that. Um but again, as Dan said, the trade-off is always with like physical products cuz like, you know, making, designing and launching physical products is like how we make money. So, it it's it is totally a trade-off of like designing these systems, these like meta systems we kind of call them or uh designing the actual products themselves. And we obviously know that we can't do both. And so we just, well, maybe this is what changes that like known equation, right? Where like at the moment the business makes money when you're making new things, but maybe the equation here is like the business can continue to make more money by thoroughly like exploring every avenue for the products that you already have right Where yeah and have. that's the goal i mean yeah. if, if you were to ask me what's the if, if in five years you snap your fingers and you can like design what the perfect scenario is it is we have that like machine this like team of people that it that takes care of the things that we make right yeah. it's like we make these things and they're getting taken care of the like value is getting extracted out of them. They're getting better because of that team. And Dan and I can like breathe in the energy into the business that we're best at doing, which is like opinionated design objects, right? And we can work as a design team to like breathe that energy into the company and set the like branding and design tone and thoughtfulness. And then there's a team of people that that takes care of the things that we make. Like that's the dream. And, you know, it might be like, it might be like, you know, a couple, two full-time people or like four part-time people and then some contractors. It's not like it's this huge organization, but it's a it's a really different from our perspective mm-hmm. as the kind of work we're doing and the comfort level and the emotional comfort. It's a very different thing. And so that's really the change we're going through right now is that emotional, like letting go of some things or shifting. So it, uh, it's interesting. We'll see. <laughs> Looks like we have some follow-up. It's rare that we have follow-up. So rare. We have we some follow-up follow in the document. I, I'm assuming, looking at these items, that, Dan, these are your follow-up items. There is one promised, the, I think, follow-up item that I see here. Uh, oh, yes. So uh, these are both uh, follow-up items from the uh, biannual holiday gift <laughs> extravaganza <laughs> episode. Uh, so I had mentioned, uh, my slim fold wallet that I had still recommended as a pick, but, uh, it was starting to, the material was starting to separate in some places. And, uh, Dave, uh, who is the founder of the company, uh, listens to this episode or listens to the show, which is awesome. And he reached out to me and was like, Hey, like that shouldn't happen let me send you some new ones. So I thought that was super nice of him and shows that he stands behind the product. And he actually sent me a prototype of like a new, uh, a new like material they're working on. So I'm excited to try that too. So I thought that was super cool. So this is all to say I stand behind my slim fold recommendation because they stand behind their product. This brought up Uh, something in my mind that I wonder about. Should we offer a lifetime warranty for our product, Dan? Because we kind of, like, yeah, kind of ki- do. We kind of unofficially do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like if uh, any customer ever was like, "This broke," we would be like, "Oh man," and send them and replace it immediately. It's not like yeah. we would be like, "Oh, see you later, sucker." It's been ninety yeah. days. So, <laughs> like, I feel like we should just lean into it. 
an average be yeah. like, hey, we make this stuff. If you're we doing it anyway, it. you should, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah, a good, mar- it's yeah. like a good piece of yeah. marketing to be like, we yeah. stand behind the product and yeah. do that publicly. So well, and they're not, complicated the to write out, but but if you can yeah. get one that you like and maybe adapt it, or like, then yeah, I think you should. Well, do no. It. So, it's, so here's the thing I don't think it's about the legal stuff because anyone could say lifetime warranty. Mm. It's really communicating. If we can manage to communicate that thing I just did, which is like, we would love to replace something that broke. And then we actually want to know from you why it broke so that we can make it better. We can make the product better, right? Mm -hmm. So like actually communicating that that is like an authentic want in the company and for us, like that is the trick. But if we can pull that off, it's awesome because it really shows something. But that process would take a lot of work to get there. And that's why we need help. (laughs) Yeah. The tricky thing also is, and it's hard to say this without sounding gross. I'm not trying to, but it's like, we would have to have some kind of line of like what constitutes a replacement or repair. So it's like, yeah, if something flat out breaks, like, of course, no questions, but it's like, if something like develops a patina, you know, but like it gets kind of scratched over the course of using it for 10 years, like that we probably wouldn't replace. And so, you know, you have to kind of communicate what exactly, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, constitutes uh, replacement. And obviously these things, you know, companies have figured this out because you need to communicate that, but that would have to be part of the, uh, you know, the communication. But it's just like, that is a perfect example of it. We have those ideas constantly, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, up until now, what happens is, that just goes in a list somewhere of like a good idea or it gets lost in our minds and it never happens because really actually we have this prototype that I need to 3d print because we need to get it moving and develop the product or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, we need to have a system where it's like, Oh, okay, well we have the copywriter person that we can hand that project to and they can like help us design that experience or design the language. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, right? Yeah. It's a pretty trivial no duh one, but that's the difference. Second follow-up item is uh Knife Flight, who I had mentioned uh I had sent my knives off to to be sharpened. What a saga this has been. Ah, well, I'll tell you what, it's coming to its conclusion right now. <laughs> okay. I got them back. They are sharp. They did it. <laughs> I sharpened them. Believe it or not, they sharpened yeah. the knives. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm very pleased with the job they did. So this gets the full Dan recommendation. If you're Whoa. in the U.S., knife flight, sharpened by mail, your knives. Yeah. I will say that any person that purports to be like a a professional knife sharpener can probably also do a good job. Like I've every time I have my knife sharpened by I don't know like probably like six or seven different places, and it's always great. Mm-hmm. You know, it always yeah. feels like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really the logistics piece, which it sounds like that was a good logistics piece. But yeah, that's actually yeah. the, the it was service. very fast. That was very public broadcasting of you, Tom. Right, where it's like <laughs> wherever you know, it's like and all other good knife sharpening services. <laughs> you know, it's just like we're not throwing our entire weight here behind just knife flight. I enjoy <laughs> well, yeah. I just mean, I just mean to me the thing that the realization I had was just like. If you just get your knife sharpened by someone with the right tools, it's like, maybe it's not 100, but maybe it's 90 or even 85 out of 100. But it, it yeah. feels like so much better that it's always great. You know, yeah, it always but feels I think, like a huge I think right, to, right tools is the key part of what you just said. Yeah. Like, for example, in my younger years, uh, in my younger naive years, I took my knives to get sharpened at like a William Sonoma or something because I they might have been offering to do it for free or it was something you know come get your knives sharpened for free, but they you they didn't use like a whetstone or anything. It was like one of those oh. like angled knife sharpener oh. contraptions, and it's like they didn't ruin my knives, you know, but they weren't much sharper. That yeah. you know it was it kind of wasn't worth it. Uh, so yeah. it's like you cut ca- you can't. You gotta, yeah, it's gotta be someone who's actually doing like a it legit, like in a real way. Like an actual yeah. Knife yeah, for a living. Yeah. yeah. We're looking for that knife flight affiliate program. Mm. Right. Oh, so yeah. We can make our recommendations. That's right. Get 10% off with the code two thumbs up from Dan. <laughs> 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 well, 
I feel like we need a, it's this, there's a one Dan's Tech Corner, and it seems easy. I hope it's a short one. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe the two of you will fight for 45 <laughs> minutes about it. Oh, I hope so. Oh, I actually <laughs> do have some. I do have some follow up on the corner. merging. Uh, on oh. the mer- Sorry, I just talked all over your jingle. <laughs> <laughs> he has no respect for the jingle anymore. He's grown we too big for this segment. <laughs> Uh, we can actually do some follow-up on the merging uh, operating systems. I've Hang got, on a second. I've is follow-up allowed inside of Dan's Tech Corner? Sure, you can nest it. Just All right, I just want to check. You're, you know, you're in control of these segments. You know, yeah. I just want to double-check well, if we needed to like reverse the theme song. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see at the end of the, uh, the, end of the segment if, okay. I, uh, if we have follow-up time. Anyways, the item listed here, 32-inch monitor, I... Accidentally poisoned myself or poisoned my brain, poisoned my thinking, where I have had a 27-inch iMac for, I think, 11 years now. Two computers. Yep. So I had 12 a years non- I think 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but still, you know, getting five, five, six years per computer. I had a non-Retina 1, mm-hmm. uh, and then I replaced it with a Retina 1, and that's what I still have. But this computer is five years old. I think. And so, you know, it's, I'm starting to think about potentially replacing it. Obviously not with an iMac cause there's not one currently offered. Uh, but honestly, I don't know if that's what I would do anyways, but I kind of asked myself, what would I want? You know, what am I interested in? And I just went down this path, a very dangerous path and a, previously a very expensive path of like, you know what? I would really love to have a monitor that's a little bit bigger than 27 inches. Like either if it was one of those ultra widescreen ones or, you know, so I like started looking around and as I think a lot of people know, but I didn't really know until I started looking is that none of those widescreen monitors that you see are kind of mac os appropriate like none of them are really retina resolution they're kind of like a weird in-between resolution um and so it was like well i can't get i can't get one of those widescreen ones i guess and then it was like oh it's like i went through this chain of logic where it was like i that the xdr 32 inch xdr is like the only monitor that would satisfy this desire to have a bigger monitor i was like oh no <laughs> I've, I've trapped i've trapped myself um, i think you're gonna be okay then all right yeah yeah so no 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 i, I oh. yeah i'm 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 aware yeah so like just uh recently earlier this week right uh there's like this new dell monitor uh, this monstrosity of a thing. <laughs> Very is, ugly. There's it is a Dell uh, monitor, a Samsung had a monitor, but I think it's just 28, both at CES. But I think the thing that's going to be more helpful to you is there is a rumor of a like 32-inch Studio Display Pro. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So it's like a product that actually will sit between the Studio Display and the Pro Display XDR, which like really is going to be just like the bigger monitor offering and yeah you know could be mini led like the 14 inch and 16 inch macbook pros mm-hmm. um and so that would in some ways actually make it a better monitor than the xdr so i reckon that's yeah. going to come at some point this year could be probably yes. like what 3500 dollars though uh, <laughs> yeah well, i mean what, I is, the, what better, is the xdr better than cost 6000 with the stand yeah you're probably yeah. i reckon it would be like three grand or something yeah i mean you you could if it if it's like the same specs as the uh the studio display just bigger then you'd kind of start there which that's 1600 right so just kind of like yeah but with the the height adjust and the mat it's like 2k i know because yeah someone in my house just bought one (laughs) yeah uh so your kids uh, right (laughs) yeah my four-year-old um so yeah, no, I think it, it could easily be three K, but hopefully it would be like twenty five or twenty seven or something. Um, I have no idea how much the Dell one costs, but it's funny. Like the, I've really, in some ways, in some areas of my life, I've become kind of much more precious about certain things, and in other ways, I've gone in the opposite direction. And I think with computers, 
I've gone in the opposite direction where it's like, just give me something that works and, and is like what I want sideways. So like the gigantic forehead on the Dell, so I'm more, I'm kind of more like, well, it's got a big 4k camera on that. And that's much nicer than what's in the studio display. So just like, fine, just give I it to have, me. Like, I, 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 I appreciate you. I cannot handle this Dell. I just put an image of it in my Slack so Tom can yeah, see it. This thing is a monstrosity. Like, yeah. It's so bad in so many ways. Like, it's got that yeah, like that weird buttons on the front, weird oh. Dell stand thing, and like in this one image, it looks like something's coming out of the bottom of it too. And like, I, I don't the know stand. what that is. No, it's like something on the okay. left. Oh, that like, is that's actually cool. That's a uh, uh, a retractable like front facing ports. So okay, you, that I, is cool. I'm not looking at All the right, image. But yeah, cool. you can put yeah, you can push it back in and it's gone. But like yeah. so the fact Samsung... that there's lit LED buttons on the front of this thing is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like <laughs> Samsung are also doing a monitor. It's called the Viewfinity S9. Mm. And it's a twenty seven inch display. And it's like it looks really nice actually. Like maybe they mm-hmm. would do other sizes of it in the future, but like this is a good looking monitor. This one, mm-hmm. yeah, Ooh. too small for me. I've outgrown that Whoa. class of monitor. I've decided, I've sadly decided, and it's that's very Wait, limiting. So the the biggest options. issue is you've decided you want bigger than 27 inches now. Yes, yeah. It's like I would be I would be bummed to get a new computer and for the monitor to be the same size as what I've had for the well, past what decade. What if I like, petition to you multiple displays? I don't know if I'd like that either because just the way I work and the way I arrange windows, like I don't want to seam down the middle. And so it's like, okay, say you have one in front and one to the side. I don't want to yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn my head, I guess, to look. And but there, the I think the main reason is, and the main reason I'm excited about a bigger window and or a bigger monitor, and why I was looking at the widescreen ones is, in a lot of applications I use, uh, if you think about either timeline based uh, applications like Logic or After Effects or Premiere or kind of palette applications like photoshop or lightroom or whatever like having that extra real estate on the sides is key whereas having two monitors doesn't really solve that problem you could kind of move stuff you could move the palettes or whatever to the other monitor but that I, that's not really what that's not really how oh, you'd I work. have i just want to the bezel in the middle which is bad right? exactly is bad, exactly yeah. yeah i just want a bigger canvas but i still want a single canvas mm. I will say it does really feel really nice that the that thus like Mac Studio and Studio Display exists because we did just go through this computer upgrade in our household, uh, not for me but <clears throat> for my wife, and it was really nice to be able to have this option of buying a Studio Display and know that like we can spend the money on the Studio Display. It's like awesome. It looks great. And the computer can change out. Or actually, mm-hmm. in our case, like she just uses her like uh, M1 Air that just plugs into it. And it's like mm-hmm. perfectly fine, right? And so mm-hmm. having that decoupled for the longest time, it wasn't. And having that decoupled is like really nice now. It feels really yeah. good. I like, love my yeah. display. I and love so, display. So and, and, and so that, but with that logic... I that was like starting to push me toward I won't do this, but that was starting to push me towards like just get an XDR. Like it's so expensive, but I could ease, I could see yeah. I could see myself having one for ten for years. Decade. Like no yeah. joke. Easy. Yeah. Easy. yeah. I would like how long do you think I, I would really recommend waiting. I, I I'm no, I'm not I'm not gonna do it for sure. But but if they like updated it and i was like oh i could get in like fresh with a new model like mm-hmm. it would be very tempting but it's funny this conversation is funny because i don't even have a computer yet to you know use with yeah. the model. Like, that's a totally separate <laughs> yeah. that's a separate uh discussion yeah but like a mac studio is like way more power than you need right i mean obviously you do video no. so, so yeah so it, 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 yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky calculus where like after effects and like premiere stuff is like give me as much computer as you can but that's yeah. like 
10% of the time, but it's so painful, like right now with my. <laughs> yeah, my but what I'm computer. saying is, is what? Probably like 50 times faster than your current computer? I mean, it's like the studio. The Mac Studio. You can really spec. It's a Mac Pro. Like, yeah, you yeah. can spec that thing out like crazy. I mean, like. You, yeah. 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 So, no, I would, I would get a studio probably. Yeah. I don't know how I would spec it, um, but that's you also something. I could see myself getting a studio and having that last longer than five years. Like, I don't think it's crazy to have a computer last eight years. No, not uh, anymore. Yeah. No, we've reached the, uh, especially because there's like zero reason why you'd ever be editing like 8K footage probably, right? It's just not gonna, that's not gonna be a th- reality. Probably. I would say don't discount, right, a MacBook Pro Yeah. Because it's true, you the MacBook Pro and the Mac Studio, you can get them incredibly close in power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have a laptop as well. Yep, like that and is a screen. really good. Uh, uh, yeah, you have another screen if you really want it. Although I don't like the big little, but you can do that if you want to. But then you have a really powerful laptop, which is just great because you have a laptop that you can then take places if you want to. And these yeah. MacBook Pros right now are just, they're unbelievable. <laughs> like what they yeah. get to. Overpowered. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. And I, I would probably not do that. And I understand the argument for it totally. But I'm just very much a, I've kind of rested on kind of desktop laptop setup mm-hmm. uh so i have like an m1 air so like having a pro laptop is like of no use to me okay. because i don't need to carry around like the workstation but also it's like something that is very satisfying to me is like having a stationary setup with all the external hard drives and all the stuff plugged in and it's like I mean, you are I, a perfect customer for the studio like yeah you, yes they literally yes, made it for yeah. you. i mean you, like it's like for you it's yeah, like, not for me actually. Like I do, I could get a low powered one because I, I don't, you know, do like three D yeah. modeling is not that heavy. But you, you just like made for you. Yeah. So you well, so that probably you just need a display now. That's what you got to wait. Yeah. I don't know the Dell. I'm gonna get that Dell. No, uh, God, please don't. T- <laughs> please just wait like just wait a little bit longer it's yeah no years, i'm not right? i'm not going to be buying it anytime soon i'll probably you know uh, at this point i'll uh, you know wait to the next studio you know the next cycle of the studio uh like i can wait that long i'm not champing at the bit but it's it's starting to feel like it's time to start looking at least so that's what i'm doing i will say this uh unwrapping that studio display from the box very cool. What a great box. Very, right? very well done, Apple. Yeah. When you open like, the box and it just like, it, it continues it to opens. open itself. It is, yeah. whoa. And that the paper, like yep. the little crumple zones that they designed into these mm-hmm. like really complex paper. It's all paper, but it's like obviously very well protected. And like just whoever is doing that paper, the team that is doing that paper engineering Bravo. I mean, it's just like, it must be so satisfying yep. to be so efficient and so. So that like, started with that the mandate. iMac, you know, like the, the 24 inch iMac. That was when they started that, for mm. that like particular. They did some stuff like this with the studio display, but that idea of like the box kind of unfolding to itself and having uh-huh. the, the, the crumple zone and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when that computer came out, like Apple were making a specific point of like, they were talking in interviews about how proud they were of the design and i think rightly yeah. so it is it's, it's a it's, treat yeah, it's to unbox in a way that i feel like i haven't felt in a while from like you know like it feels like the mm. iphone for example it's just like not fun anymore to unbox it right. like oh, the way it's it used not to a be. surprise anymore yeah, yeah. but this yeah. is like a very fun thing to do and if you appreciate that like obviously we do that idea of like there's no like the, it protect the box protects it now in like a way that boxes don't typically protect a thing by being cardboard. It's a genius. It's mm, really great. Yeah. And they, I love the um, you know, the handle on the top, right? Yeah, yeah. That's made of paper. Oh, it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. So good. So I know that I'm like a particular nerd about this. Like I love, love that stuff. I'm sure for everyone, it's a pretty nice experience. But like for me, it's just like, my gosh, because you can just see the engineering. Like those engineers must have just like so much fun doing that because it's Mm -hmm. such a challenge. It's such a mandate. It's like, no, only paper. Like seriously, guys, <laughs> only paper. How could you do it? And they have the scale to where they can be like, hey, we we need to make a machine to do this." And Apple's probably like, "Okay, that's like within scope. You can make a machine <laughs> or design a you know a custom machine or something." So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. It's like very cool. I keep wanting to be like make some like YouTube videos about just like nerding out on that. I I won't do it, but it, it, it it's amazing. It's really great. Very cool. Bravo, Apple. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 92.